Hey everybody, it's James Wallace here from Digital Simple, uh, coming in with business simple number seven, um, which is sales simplified. Um, it's another edition of the James Zzzzz podcast with James O'Cassidy. From my advice. Um, the reason I've got him in for this one is uh, my first sales job doing door to door sales. He ran the company there. Um, <laughs> taught me a really good percentage of what I know about selling. Um, and so with that, uh, yeah, I thought he'd be the perfect person to come in. He probably knows quite a bit more about it than I do. Um, so hopefully with that, we can add a little bit more value to you guys. So thanks for coming back again. No problem. No problem. <laughs> awesome. Great hey, to come back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, real simple, uh, simple sort of question to start things off. Mm. What <laughs> makes a good salesperson? Um... Uh, being able to sell stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, obviously. Funny how many yeah, yeah. Skip that bit. It's funny how that works. Obviously, that's <laughs> you know the the results of it. Um, what makes a good uh, sort of experienced salesperson who's good at sales? Um, uh, still, you know, obviously being able to listen. Yeah. I think um, being a good reader of people, um, and. Uh, with sales, I think if you're if you're getting into sales, I think you've got to have a passion for learning. Yeah. And I think if you have been in sales for a while, you've got to maintain a passion for people. Yeah. Um, because people who start in sales are scared of people because that's where the no's come from, you know, and the rejection comes from, which is initially what most people's um, fear of sales is, is, is having people turn them down because there's people we don't like to be rejected. Um, but as time goes on and you do learn how to make money and a good income and a good career from sales, um, as opposed to looking at the fact that that's come from people and good interaction with people, uh, sales people sometimes down the track want to miss out on the people part. They want the money, yeah. um, they want the achievement, they want the success and the recognition, um, but they get a little bit irritated by dealing with people. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's a combination. I think that there's two different types of salespeople. I think that there's a salesperson who's learning and there's a salesperson who's experienced and just go back to literally what I just said, the salesperson that's learning has got to be excited to learn and has probably got to be brave and courageous and mm-hmm. be prepared to, to meet some challenges and be just brave enough to handle them and weather the storm as they learn. And the experienced salesperson has to work on nurturing that flame of desire and that passion for people um, so that they don't become a stereotypical salesperson who's selfish and just out for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like the listening that you touched on. Mm. That's a key one. I've, um, last Maybe week you listened I had, to that. Yeah, yeah, I listened to you talk about listening. Yeah, so last week I had um, a couple of deals that I got that I went up against big agencies here for um, and I won both of them and it is 100% because I listened. Like with, I think sometimes getting a bit too cool and, you know, being a big agency and you've got 30 staff or 10 staff or whatever it is, Mm. people get a little bit cocky and they kind of actually start to forget about the person that they're dealing with and just think about all the cool shit that they can do. Mm. And so real simple solutions were what sort of separated me from them. Mm. And it wasn't reinventing the wheel. It was actually almost doing the opposite and going a little bit more old school. Um, But because that was what the customer wanted and they'd been asking for and the big agency didn't want to give it to them because they had all these complicated solutions. Mm. Just by offering the simple solution that they wanted, they said yes straight away. Mm. Like, oh, I, I, I can't believe you can actually do that. Yeah, probably because you took the time to listen to them. Yeah. You yeah. know, you took the, you know, like, do you, do you take the time to figure people out still? Yeah. You know, um, 
and it's not always it's not always savage either. It's not always you know someone's doing it because they're just greedy and selfish and they want to make money. Um, when you deal with similar types of people again and again and again, sometimes what you lose track of is what you have taught a lot of people versus what a lot of people already know. Yeah. Um, so then you know you're so experienced. You've talked about the same product day in day out, month in month out, year in year out, and it's it's only normal that a person would maybe begin to assume or forget how much the average Joe does know about what you're doing. Yeah. Whereas when you begin in sales, you explain everything because everything is new to you as well. Yeah. But as yeah. things become old to you, do you still remember what is old to you is still new to the next person you speak to? Yeah. Um, Another thing that I see as well, um, you touched on that excitement. Mm. Like a lot of people will be really good in their first sort of two, three, four weeks and then crash. Mm. And that's that's always been the weirdest one for me to kind of watch is people who kind of have that like that potential and stuff and they don't realise it's just because they're like smiley and happy to deal with and people like dealing with people who are energised mm. and upbeat and then all of a sudden it becomes a bit sort of routine for them and they stop selling. Mm. So I think, yeah, that enthusiasm, a real genuine desire just to actually help people. Yeah. Like that, people can tell. Like people know if you're there because you see dollar signs or if because you actually want to do the right thing by them. Mm. Um, I think that comes across just in people's feeling and that sort of stuff they get We're, from you. Working in sales is quite an invasive business as mm-hmm. well. And I don't mean your customers. I mean for the person that's doing it. You know, sales, the tool of your trade is very much yourself and your mind and your oral skills and your communication. And these are skills that carry over very much into everyday life. Whereas maybe someone... Uh, for example, who works in an industry with their hands or doing a product or a trade or something that's more sort of transactional, they're not going to go home by accident and start repairing a car, a mechanic, <laughs> you know? But are we going to go home and be a communicator after a day of communicating in sales? Yes, we are. Yeah. So I think that people after the first four weeks probably suffer from a little bit of mental fatigue, yeah. a little bit of burnout, you know, and that comes down to... Yeah, there, there are options and you can fix your sales prowess and you can realise that you're in a dip, but much like being on a computer, things are freezing up, the, you know, your camera wasn't working a lot before and yeah. you tried it, you clicked a few things, but ultimately sometimes what things need is just a bit of a reset, Yeah, turn it off and turn it back on again. Yeah. Um, and that's sometimes what a salesperson needs. If someone is burning through a really good patch in sales, I'm expecting there to be some mental fatigue or system overload, much the same as the computer. You've been using your computer for hours and hours and hours non-stop. It's going to overheat. Doesn't mean yeah. you throw the computer out. No, it doesn't mean that everything that the computer is capable of doing is suddenly redundant. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But it might need to cool down for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And there's often those highs and lows that come with sales. And if um, you don't let it cool down, what's going to happen? <laughs> gonna blow up yeah 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 mental resilience that's well, you're gonna blow up you're gonna attack your computer yeah or you're gonna attack your job as a salesperson to decide you don't want to do it anymore yeah that resilience is definitely a big mm. one because with with sales and, and being a business owner and all those sorts of things you you never will experience the same highs and the same lows as if you're just you know paid x per hour to turn up 40 hours a week and it's all good it's all guaranteed you don't have to worry about anything Mm. you have some stresses but they're not too intense and it's all kind of just flat Mm. you just really hit the roof you know you go sign a couple of deals and you literally feel like someone could shoot you and the bullet would just bounce off Mm. and then you miss a couple and you're like shot like you're 
a mess emotionally and, and mentally and that kind of thing. And it's just sort of being able to ride those highs and lows mm. um, and see the big picture as a result of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, did you model your selling off anyone? Yeah, a few people. Yeah? Uh, yeah, a few people. I, I had um, <clears throat> one of the people that, that initially trained me in sales, uh, taught me how to sell years and years ago in a, in a, in a call centre, um, had I just a very invested way of talking to people. You know, he just knew everything. So when I first learned sales, well, that wasn't actually my, my first sales job I worked and I didn't sell anything and I thought the sales wasn't for me and I stayed away from sales for about two years. Worked in a sales job when I was 17, finished shop, yeah. didn't sell a single thing, thought the sales wasn't for me, went away from it. And years later, a guy trained me in sales and he said, look, you've actually got to learn this thing. Just because you're good at talking doesn't mean that you're good at transactional conversations mm -hmm. with people in which there's actually a result. Um, and so I, I learned a lot from him in terms of just being a, a geek, you know, mm -hmm. just being a person that just knew so much about what that topic was that people were really captivated by that. Um, another person then years later who trained me in sales, I based a lot off him. He was very Kiwiana, mm -hmm. um, very, very much grassroots Kiwi. Would have a chat to people, didn't try and get all fake and, you know, Americanization of the salesperson, which yeah, is, you know, like Wall a, Street. Well, yeah, a bit of a caricature. And that's obviously, it's not a dig at Americans, but there is an American stereotype out there of a, of a salesperson, which is very, very salesy. And he stripped that back and was a much more grassroots person. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and then years later, I was, I was taught by someone else who had a very indifferent in measure. Um, and he would speak in good, strong, relatively short sentences mm -hmm. and would make things sound factual by yeah. doing that, you know. So I did a combination of those things and I think that's probably where my sales sort of prowess comes from now or, or what my sales style is. Very information heavy, I can answer any question, I'm an absolute geek. Yeah. Um, I'll chat to you, I'll be a normal guy though, I wear stubbies and a single on the weekend, I'm just like you. Uh, and then last of all though, I'll speak to you in facts. I won't try and sway your opinion. I'll tell you what's black and what's white, and we can make an actual dedicated decision together. So yeah, there's a few yeah. people. Nice. Yeah, I um, I personally, I found that like with me learning sales, I've kind of got a real big advantage, I think, over what people have traditionally mm. because of the people that I can follow online. Mm. Like obviously, I've got really big influences close to me. I've got you. I've got some other people that I've learned from along the way as well, mm. um, and just different people that I've picked things up from. But then I have guys like Grant Cardone and stuff like that mm. online who are kind of where I feel they really play a role is they are that real extra American character mm. that drives the Rolls Royce and has the $50,000 watch and that kind of thing, mm. which is just good every now and again if you're feeling a little bit flat mm. and you're not, because so much of it is being like excited about what you're doing and, you know, really uh, into it. Mm. If you watch him talk about how you're, you know, a pussy and all that kind of stuff for five minutes when you're feeling a little bit down about things, <laughs> yeah. you tend to feel a little bit less down about them yeah. and then maybe you can save a day that wasn't so good. I remember when I was doing um, door to door, I had the Wolf of Wall Street pick up the phone scene downloaded onto my phone mm. and if I was having a bad day, I used to go have a cigarette and sit in the park and watch it mm. and then just go out drink a Lyft Plus, a 500ml Lyft Plus cigarette, but a Wolf of Wall Street and I was ready to go again. So. I think yeah. whatever I think you know what you're what you're doing though is you're, you're stepping into a little bit of a, a surreal environment you know that's why people enjoy things like video games that, you know where the the 
you know, protagonist is very similar to, you know, the young guys playing it. Why does he enjoy that so much? You know, why would you play a video game acting like this person who's very similar to you, age, white, you know, white, height, whatever? Well, the reason why is because if I can go into a bit of a caricature, I can have fun, I can be daring, but I can also minimize risk because I don't really feel like I'm being myself. Yeah. And that's what people do is where we insulate ourselves from risk and we yeah. give ourselves courage that we don't feel that we truly possess by sometimes pretending to be someone else. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, you know, yeah. like, I mean, you don't want to go and expose yourself fully emotionally to, to people that you don't know every single day because you could become quite emotionally crippled by that. So I do think that people like those larger than life characters. And yeah, yeah. I think it's quite a, yeah, I think it's quite a, a normal thing and, and I, I agree with it. You know, no one's going to get motivated by someone speaking softly and telling you the boring truth. We want somebody who's a little bit over the top. Yeah, just that little bit extra. Mm. So for me, I, I learned a huge amount of what I sell through door to door. And whenever I have people that come to me and they're like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Um, normally they're around that sort of 17 to 20 kind of age. Feel a little bit lost and there's a lot of pressure on them to do things. I always say, go do a year of door-to-door sales mm. for, for a couple of key reasons. First one is if they try and can't do it, sales probably isn't for them because you need mm. that resilience and that sort of thing. And secondly, if they are going to have a career in, in door-to-door and that kind of thing, or in sales, sorry, door-to-door is a really good first step. You learn mm. a lot about people in a very compressed amount of time just because you have to. Mm. Um, what do you do? And because obviously I learned that a lot of what I learned about selling there. What do you do when you teach people selling? What are the key sort of things that you tell them? And obviously that will come back to the modeling your sales and, and what makes a good salesperson. But if there's stuff that you kind of educate people on, you feel helps them. Um, uh, muscle memory is, is a lot of it. So when you're, when you're in a sales situation, there's going to be a lot of adrenaline, um, mm-hmm. you know, because there's desire and you want to do well. And there's obviously something you want to get out of that conversation. Um, and one of the examples I always used to use with salespeople is, is repetition is key. Practice, practice, practice. You did that. We would do practicing sales presentations with other mm-hmm. salespeople before you'd actually go out. People go, this is silly. Why do I need to do this? I know the words. It's like, no, it's not that. It's actually getting it seared into your brain. So yeah. if you take someone, and the example I always used to use with people is if you take someone uh, who's in a street fight or who's in a, whatever, a bit of a dust up with a guy outside of a pub, most people, what you'll notice is the fights that we see in the movies don't very often translate to the fight that you'll see out of a pub and town. <laughs> it's um, quite manic. Now, mo- <laughs> most, most, but if you look at it, most fights that you see people get into actually replicate how we fought with our siblings. Yeah. yeah. Pulling, grabbing, wrestling, throwing to the ground. And the reason why is when you're in a fight situation, you know, you're nervous and you're scared and your cognitive, really sort of conscious brain switches off and your subconscious kicks in because your brain realizes that there's pressure and duress. So you go to what you've practiced the most. And from what most people do in terms of practicing conflict is the most fights they've ever been in is probably with their brother or sister when they're 10 years old over who yeah. gets the middle seat in the back of the car. Yeah. You take someone who does martial arts. Yes, all the fancy kicks and punches that they learn are obviously very effective, but is that actually what makes them good in conflict or is it the fact that they've practiced them so many times? So Bruce Lee, I don't know the exact saying, but has it got a saying along the lines of he would rather face someone who has only practiced 10,000 good kicks once than someone who has practiced one good kick 10,000 times. Yeah. Because when it comes to a situation of conflict for a person who's done lots of martial arts or whatever, and they get into that, their automatic response is to be a karate master. Yeah. 
So if I go practice your closing, practice your closing, practice your closing, your sales presentation. Now you are going to be nervous today, mm -hmm. but can you imagine if you imagine if your response to being nervous was to close like an absolute boss? Yeah, yeah. So what do you do when you get scared talking to people? I don't know, just this thing kicks in subconsciously and I become amazing with people yeah. and close them really well. Yeah. It's not a bad response. That's a good reflex. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the thing that I teach people about is going, yes, I'm going to teach you some skills, but what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and sear those skills into you. So and in a moment of absolute panic, you don't consciously have to think of these skills anymore. Subconsciously, yeah. they're coded in there. And then yeah. everything else from there is, is ideally just you you know, working with that particular person. Yeah, and obviously there are there are deals where having great objection handles, things like that will help you get through them, mm. but most of them is just talking someone through a process really clearly and mm. then them just deciding whether they want to do that or not mm. and saying yes or no. Mm. And if you can pick up one out of ten people that say no because you have you know, quite quick or whatever, that's great, mm. but like a good salesperson just works hard and has a good formula that they practice and execute over and over again yeah repetition yeah. is key nice cool what do you um when you're in a sales situation what are you looking for what am i looking oh in terms of the customer mm -hmm. um reactions yeah reactions to things um you know i did a little bit of theater when i was younger a little bit of tv work and one of the things you always taught in theater is is there's no such thing as acting there's reacting a good mm -hmm. actor is a good reactor um, so what I'm looking for, uh, in someone is, is, is reactions to what I say. You know, if I'm coming across slightly indifferently, are they reacting well? If I say something about my product, how do they react? And I'm mm -hmm. not looking, I'm not looking for anything in particular. Yeah. I'm just looking for anything. Yeah, Even yeah, somebody nice. reacting badly to something that I say yeah. is good, valuable information. You know, yeah. uh, it's important to realize where the path is. Yes, but it's also important to realize where the, you know, the path isn't and where you don't want to go with a particular person. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for things. I'm looking for responses to my jokes. I'm looking for impatience. I'm looking for arms folding or unfolding. I'm looking to see if somebody's going to ask me questions, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at their eyes go wider when I talk about a particular thing. And once I have seen a lot of those things, I will then formulate uh, a close for that person, a sales close, based on that particular information. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many different reasons to buy the same product. You've got to figure out why the person you're speaking to in that particular moment, not people in general, but that particular person, what in particular are they going to buy about what you're selling, what particular dynamic of it, and throw everything else out in the second half of my sales presentation and yeah. just stick to that. You'll yeah. sell someone on one thing better then you'll sell some, you know, that they really like than on 10 things, which they're kind of, you know, no one ever says to you, you know what, I'm not sure if I want to do this or not, so I'm going to. Yeah. No one ever says that. They say, I really like it, I want to do it. Or they say, I'm unsure or I won't, or I really don't want to and I won't. Yeah. There's only one yes that you'll get, yeah. and that's complete involvement from the person. Yeah. So find out what that is by, you know, being a good detective when yeah. you're talking to them. Yeah, I like the detective thing that you brought up. I like uh, finding problems mm. to solve. Because that tends to be things that people are quite passionate about. Mm. Like fixing the things that bug them every day. Mm. That really just kind of mess with all the good stuff they've got going on. Mm. Once you fix those, like, you know. So if you can find them out, then it'll be so much easier to um, to kind of, I guess, close the deal uh, in mm. the end. 
Um, another thing that I really wanted to talk about is a lot of people battle with the actual clothes itself. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Like one thing that I see, and, and I'm, I'm helping someone out at the moment with some of their sort of sales and, and that kind of thing, is doing things like emailing people quotes mm. and stuff like that. Oh, just, uh, just do it. Yeah, like, just, and it's a blatant, just, like, avoiding... Just clog, just just get it out of the way, get punched yeah. in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Someone have naughty, let people throw shit at you, like, you know, kick you out of the, who cares? Just do it, you know, like, yeah. you know, obviously not, not too soon, you know, like, mm. to quote... Family guy, Stewie Griffin, you know, when he goes into the gym and the guy tries to sell him. And he's like, oh, I'm looking at a gym membership. And I know I'm quoting a cartoon, but I found it really funny. Yeah. And the guy just gives him everything. He's like, I'm going to give you a gym bag. I'm going to give this. Debbie, come in. Give him this particular protein powder, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm getting out of here. You came on a little strong. So you don't want to yeah. be that person. But there's also another good saying, which is, you know, are we going to dance all night with your hand on my ass? Or are you going to fucking take me home? Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> you know, like, just do it. You know, if the person's going to say no, get it out of the way. Go find someone else. Yeah, save some time, mate. And mm. it obviously, I'm sure you agree with me on this. Like, if you want to get a deal or something done, don't text someone or email them. Yeah, call them. Yeah. And not everyone wants to buy stuff from you. Yeah. Not, you know, like... It's I mean, not a personal you, attack. It's just like, not everyone are like... Are there things out there that someone's selling right now and they're really good at sales that probably if they approached me, I wouldn't buy them? Yes. Like, have mm. some reality in the situation. We can't all be buying you know, the same products unequivocally every time a salesperson approaches us because we'd be broke and the only thing that we'd be buying is homeless tents and shelters because no one would have any money left, you yeah, know? Yeah. Sometimes what you're selling people is just not relevant to them. Um, but don't avoid that. Don't avoid the final end result, which is them saying no to you. Get it out of the way, look. And, and at the end of the day, all else, all else fails, go for gold and just say to the person, hey, do you want to buy this from me? Yeah. Yeah, that was a real good thing yeah. that I learned was when um when people my fallback became when I could tell people weren't interested, I just used to close mm. when I was doing door to door. So I'd like I'd knock on a door and someone be like, "What do you want?" And I'd just be like, "Do you want to spend this on your power?" They'd mm. be like, "No." I'd be like, "No," and then just yeah. bolt. Just because it was like um I was kind of just like maybe one day I'll pick up one, and then it happened one day. Mm. So I'd just been doing this every time someone had been like, "I'm not interested" or whatever. I'd be like, "Sure, you don't want it." Blah blah blah. And just then, get involved. Yeah, right? just, just, just get Yeah, just get amongst yeah. it. You know, yeah. just get busy. <laughs> yeah. Get busy. Yeah. See what happens, and, and put your head up after a wee while. And you know, sometimes we don't like as salespeople. We are a little bit precious. Yeah, and we are a little bit elitist. You know, mm-hmm. as salespeople, we do um, sometimes think that we're a little bit better than other industries, and it yeah. is a common theme. And we we need to taper our our delusions of grandeur over ourselves and realize that though what we do is a very you know, unique sort of boutique industry compared to what maybe a lot of other industries are, it is still a job. Yeah. And it does still require things that jobs usually require, which is that, you know, just doing it and, yeah. and putting your best foot forward. Yeah. And not overanalyzing everything. Yeah. The ego does come with, with it for a lot of stuff, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Especially it, the good ones. Yeah, especially, yeah. especially the good ones. But it's... it's <laughs> It's just a case of, of realising that sometimes the solutions to doing sales are a little bit more boring than the Wolf of Wall Street, which we talked yeah. about. And sometimes yeah. it's a little bit more work, uh, a little less play, and, and a little bit more just going and speaking to some new people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, that's a good one. What do you believe prevents people from being good salespeople? And I want to kick this one off is lack of activity. Mm-hmm. Whenever I've been shit at selling in my life, which I've had, I've had periods where I've been a terrible salesperson. Mm. I have been doing fuck all. Mm. 
that's the number one as far as I'm concerned. Lack of, think, a lack yeah. of being able to also, which is probably a lack of activity, is a lack of being able to deal with their own, per, you know, not personal but particular issues. Mm-hmm. You know, like lack of activity, yes. Um, but if the person was honest with themselves, you know, a good sense of self awareness. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing a lot of sales. Well, great. I'm also not speaking to a lot of people. Maybe mm-hmm. I should go and do that. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you can't teach self awareness, and self awareness doesn't, you know, mean that you have to think you're the best person in the world, but be aware of what's really going. On. Even if it's just you in a quiet room, just to yourself, and the, the the facade that you present to the rest of the world is really not who you are at the core of it. Whatever, yeah. not here to judge someone's, you know, personal journey, but in the quiet of you know your own mind, be honest with yourself about what you are and aren't doing, because ninety nine percent of the time, and a relatively experienced salesperson probably knows yeah. what it is that they're not doing that's not working. It's maybe they're hiding from it themselves, you know? And, and as you said, I think that 99% of the time it's activity, but I've also seen have people have problems where they burn through people. Yeah. And their issue is interaction. They're not good with people. They're not patient. They don't get to know people. They're too results desperate because you'll say to someone, you're not getting enough activity. You need to do more activity. The person finally decides to take your advice because it's, it's, you know, sort of um, day dawn and they need to be getting themselves figured out. Yeah. And all they do is they'll go through and burn through lots of people. Yeah. And they'll cause yeah. themselves another problem. Yeah. That self-awareness one's probably mm. the best way of putting it, eh? Because mm. it's just about recognising when you're not doing something well mm. and then doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's yeah. not super complicated, is it? We don't, yeah, we don't want to be honest with ourselves some of the time, yeah. do we? Like, yeah. you know, oh, no, I've got... No one wants to tell themselves that they're lazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I don't want to acknowledge the, that. Yeah, something that I've um, I've always found has been really important is actually being closed on what you're selling. Mm. And so for me, like whenever I've lacked that motivation, that kind of area of sales, it's always been a lack of belief in what I'm actually doing mm. opposed to anything else. So mm. I'm, I'm turning up to work every day and I'm going out and I'm doing deals and stuff for people, but I don't even really back what I'm doing. Mm. And that could be, um, could be something. It's soul destroying. Yeah. Like mm. you, you lose everything. Whereas now, and, and I think what's really cleansed me of that is being on my own mm. and knowing that if I go out and tell someone, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Mm. And if I don't do it, it's only me to blame. Whereas if, if, you know, you go out and sell something, you say, hey, this is what's going to happen, and then it's offloaded to other people with responsibility to do it, mm. and they don't do it, that's what will really whittle you down as a salesperson, mm. eh? And that destroys, we did that podcast on culture before, wrecks culture, um, creates a really bad work environment and that kind of thing. Mm. And also, it just stops you from selling shit. And people like people crave shit. change, though, you know? Like, yeah. a lot of what you've done is you've gone out by yourself and you're doing, you know, an, an amazing job. And I think you're going to be really successful, James. But I think also what you decided to do, which was just probably healthy in itself, is you decided to change your environment. You know, mm. you knew you knew when to not even, we always talk about the grass is always greener, you know, like, or greener pastures. But sometimes we just need to go to a different pasture, you know. Mm. Every time people look at change, it's either as a way of running away from our problems or because, you know, it's better over here. It's not. It's just sometimes you get the life out of something and it's time to apply what you've learnt somewhere else. You yeah. know, and obviously, you know, not do damage along the way, ideally. Yeah. But change in itself is good for salespeople, you know. We, a lot of us that get into sales and do well at it and enjoy it, we enjoy the challenge and then we end up making ourselves stale and non-challenged and mm-hmm. ironically, we, we, you know, we, we do to death what was motivating us in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, f- find different things. I can see it's, you know, what separates average and great salespeople is, yeah. 
self-awareness again isn't it yeah yeah that's a huge yeah. one I, I can't get that in enough mm. of your like if you're looking to either be in sales or you're in sales and things are stale or you're in sales and things are going really well mm. and you've got no current understanding of why they're going well or what you're doing well you need to figure that out because mm. or else it's going to come crashing down real hard and then mm. you're going to be stuck there sitting like I don't know what to do. Mm. Whereas if you're aware in any part of being a salesperson, you always have a solution in mind. You're always willing and, and able to kind of overcome that. Mm. Um, and when you lose that self-awareness, that's when things get a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, and people go, you know, they ask themselves, you know, am I a successful people, person? Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Well, you know, here's the reality is that's actually for other people to decide because mm. um, you're looking for a general consensus. Well, that's other people's opinions. You know, what, what are you to you? What yeah. drives you? What stimulates you? What do you enjoy doing today? And not everything needs to be a huge long-term solution. You know, what do you really want to do today? You yeah. know, with you know, because people go, we talk about goals a lot, which is great. You know, goals, Rolex, nice cars, and everything. But sometimes what we need to be to be motivated today is to do what we want to do today with the resources and the availability of you know sort of opportunities that we have right in front of us yeah you know because yeah. um for example you know your your thing would was probably with what you were doing before this is going what do i really want to do today even though you're really really great at sales is probably for a long time before you went on to your own business is what do i really want to do today i'd really love to be working on my own business today yeah yeah you can try and run away from that all you like but it's in your own head it's going to follow you everywhere that you go um and you know does that mean quit your job today if you're not enjoying what you're doing no but what separates an average and a great salesperson is the great salesperson, if today they're not exactly where they want to be, there is some link, some chain connecting where they're going to be in a year's time with what it is they're doing today. Even if it's just simply a skill set thing, like today I'm getting a little bit better at communication because I know in a year's time I'm going to be running my own company and I know that yeah. will really help. They find ways to actually cement logical chains between their long-term success and their whatever happens today. And that generally is just a more motivated person. Yeah, do you, you think know? that person finds it a lot easier to withstand the hurdles and stuff that will come yeah, as well? Because they've got so much vision, right? Like if you're focused on where you're going to be in five years, mm. something big comes up that's going to be a problem for the next three months. Mm. It's actually not a big problem because mm. it's only like 5% of the journey towards where you're going. Mm. Whereas if you're focused on being able to go out on the piss this weekend, mm. and then today's going to be a really long day, that shit, because that's 20% of the way towards where you're trying to get to. Mm. You know, so thinking a little bit more long-term is always a really good thing as well. Well, yeah, it's just it's just plain good old-fashioned, not to be too philosophical, but it's good old-fashioned hope. Mm -hmm. Hope is an, amazing, oh, is an amazing conduit for success and optimism, because hope is just looking at the future and going, you know, I'm really hopeful and I'm really optimistic about where I could be. You know, I've got years up my sleeve to go, you know, could I do everything I want to do in today? Probably not. But if I gave myself a couple of years, could I probably achieve a lot? Absolutely. And then people become stimulated about today again, you mm. know? Tomorrow's dream quells, you know, today's issues very, very easily. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I do believe in a good old-fashioned bit of hope and, you know, yeah. um, youthful exuberance and, and belief and, you know, believing in myself and backing myself. Um but, you know, get out there and, you know, great salesperson, average salesperson is a great salesperson is probably just enjoying themselves a lot more. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, um, this has been fantastic. Once again, this is not a purple jacket. <laughs> it's definitely a this purple jacket. Not, no, no, it's <laughs> not. It's not. It's a grey jacket. It's your, it's your lighting. Again, I'm wearing the same clothes as the last podcast, actually. 
Hey, um, thanks Just for tuning in. On yeah, there are there'll be there'll be more to come. These have been fantastic. Probably some of the better, or definitely probably the two. Probably best the best, James. That's that's a natural. This uh, is yeah. probably the pinnacle of your yeah. work so far in podcasts. Well, you know, that's what yeah. it is. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. I'll see you next time. I, I'm James, and I'm James as well. <laughs>